we continue with our study in the parables. An interesting parable that we look at today is that where Jesus gives us another seed parable. It seems like um, these recent parables all have something to do with gardening and something to do with the fact that many of you are really good at, and that is gardening, planting seeds, etc. Jesus used parables because it was a way for people to understand more clearly God's word and the principles of God. This time, the parable is that of a mustard seed. A mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds. Uh, There are smaller seeds, but he uses the point of a mustard seed. Jesus tells this parable of the kingdom of God, and he shares the parable from a text that we're going to look at today found in the book of Matthew, the 13th chapter. The word of God tells us in verses 31 through 32, where Jesus speaks to them, and he told them another parable, the scripture says. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch on its branches. Birds love branches. They love places to take a rest and take time out. One morning, being in Alaska, I looked up at one of the large trees there on the campgrounds, and over the years, we have noticed that almost daily an eagle would come and perch in that tree. That eagle, obviously, is much bigger now, almost uh, four feet tall, and as it, it would just perch in a tree, and Jesus talks about birds landing on the branches. Trees have been on my mind lately, not necessarily the fact that I want to plant them, but here at Evangel Temple, we have a large silver maple tree that is right outside of this door. Unfortunately, this tree is dying. It's dying to the point that um, I have collected several bids to have it taken down. There used to be two homes that sat right over in this area. In order to build this building, we had to take the homes down. In order to build this building, we did a lot of excavation, and it disturbed the roots of a large silver maple tree. Interestingly, as we collect bids to remove this tree, we find that they vary greatly in price. But soon this tree will be gone. The tree will disappear, and I think about how this tree might have started. This whole area was called Twin Oaks Farm, and the church bought this area back in the 60s. And Twin Oaks Farm had a couple giant oak trees that was over by the barn, and it was named after this area, was named after those trees, Twin Oaks Farm. There was a dairy farm that operated on this property. But the trees have been disturbed over the years, and trees are a beautiful picture of God's ability to take what we view as weak and perhaps insignificant, a small plant that might have been in a can, or somebody just dug a hole and put it in the ground, and it turns into a magnificent Um, life-given creation of God. 
And here in Matthew 13, the scripture reveals how trees can be viewed as pictures of the very kingdom of their creator. Jesus takes time and he uses this example. It's remarkable that God would begin his kingdom so small and that it would grow by his faithful stewardship into a beautiful life-giving creation, which you and I hopefully are part of the kingdom of God today. I'm finding myself in recent months and days and weeks doing something that I have not done before as much as what I'm doing now. And that is as I go into restaurants and I see the tables around me uncleared, I experience perhaps a long wait before I can sit down. I find myself thanking the help that served me, thanking them for waiting on me and taking care of me. While traveling this last week, there were some establishments that we stopped at only to find that there were a line of people waiting to get in. Peeking in the window, we would see whole dining rooms that were covered with dirty dishes, unattended because of the lack of help. But I find myself thanking those who do wait on me, thanking those that are doing the small things. I seem to be much more tolerant. I find myself increasingly aware of the many little things that people do to make life bearable during these difficult days that we are living in. People that are extending and working hard, extending their time to make us comfortable. Yesterday, or I can't remember, I guess it was late Friday night, as we were checking in to travel home on an aircraft that, that um, would seat 280 people. When we got on the plane, I think there was 281 on it. Because some, uh, one person I know had to leave because there wasn't a seat. But that's how crowded the planes are. People sitting literally right next to each other and you don't know who you are sitting next to in some cases. But as we checked in, there were two ladies that was checking the whole group in. They were working very, very hard because some people had not showed up for work. There's a lack of workers that are around um, us here in our own city and elsewhere. And those who do work, it's interesting that some work so hard and they take pride in it. Take time to thank them. As I consider the past months of stoppage, cancellations and adjustments, major delays, I'm at awe at the health community that has stood in the gap to help each one of us. I am uh, so pleased for our law enforcement and for our fire department and other first responders. Many of them do not receive or get fanfares, but they are essential to our well-being. And like grocery store checkers and stalkers and deliverers and truck drivers and mail personnel, sanitation personnel, pharmacists, drug stores and hospice and funeral home workers, and like so many that are overlooked, house staff that we have right here 
in our own building. I am so grateful for Kelly and Amber, for Cammy, and for um, those who work so hard here, for Michelle, for Bob and Cameron. And so many of these good people are doing what seems to be such small things, but things that make a huge difference for the common good. And I want to be more alert for these people and find ways to express my gratitude. Jesus makes the point that it's those who do the small things, <clears throat> the little things in life that can have a huge impact upon life. The parable that we study today is told in all three of the synoptic gospels and by the writers. The parable of the mustard seed is not actually the smallest of the seeds, nor does it grow into a very large tree, but it is quite small. William Barclay, an interesting commentary writer, I have a set of his commentaries in my office. I believe he's a Scottish author, and he was a professor. He suggests that this parable was a parable of encouragement from Jesus Christ himself to the disciples. <clears throat> Barclay mentions that the disciples must have been discouraged because they were expecting so much to happen and so little seemed to be happening. And Jesus speaks to him and what he is doing, he is inspiring his followers by pointing out the great things can unfold from small beginnings. Great things can happen from small beginnings. A few weeks ago, on Father's Day, my grandchildren attended our children's church here. At the end of children's church, they came to me with what they called a faith plant. They showed it to me with the instructions. The plant was very unattractive, and it was something that was done in children's church, and what it was was an old woman's nylon. It was new, but um, I call them old. <clears throat> I hope it was new, but it was a nylon stocking, and it was filled with dirt, and there was seeds that were placed in that stocking. Now, I had a flashback because when I first accepted Christ, I used to go to the women's ministry outings because I wanted to be in church so badly. And the women's ministry outings were quite interesting because one of the things that I learned from them, not only on how to knit quilts, but they used to collect old nylon socks. And I can remember those nylons that the women would wear and, and uh, they had like a rubber band or something at the top of them to hold them up, <clears throat> or I guess it was called a garter. And uh, when, when they would tear, they would donate them to the church. And uh, maybe some of you can remember those days. And the women would cleverly make um, like a rug out of them. And they would twist them somehow and make a rug. Well, here my kids, grandkids, show up with a new nylon sock. And in that sock, they told me there was seed that was put in it. And this was to be a faith plant. And sure enough, a couple weeks ago, I was at their home and the plants were sitting out on their patio and they were sprouting grass. Hopefully, 
that this ugly nylon stocking filled with fertilizer and grass seed would come to the place where it would actually have to be trimmed and cut. You see, the mustard seed parable that Jesus shares with us provides a graphic image of the power of the kingdom of God. Though the seed is small and the seed is so easily overlooked, it will explode with life if given the proper treatment. And a seed as it sprouts has enormous power, enough power to go through the little pore in the nylon sock. A single seed can push back a clod of dirt that weighs many more times than what the seed weighs and what that shoot can produce. Just as nothing can stop that seed from sprouting up, nothing can stop the kingdom of God from growing. The kingdom of God is each one of us. And as we use our lives and as we use the vessels that God has created, what an impact we can have upon the kingdom of God. Well, I was in Calcutta. My wife and I took a rickshaw and we journeyed to Mother Teresa's orphanage in that city. We went to the place where the orphanage started and with resources as small as a mustard seed. I understand that she told her superiors. She said, I have three pennies and I have a dream to build an orphanage. Her superiors looked at her and responded, you can't build an orphanage with three pennies. It isn't possible. I know, she said, smiling back at them, but with God's help and three pennies, I can do anything. And the materials God uses may at times seem to be inadequate, but once God gets to work, the results can be extraordinary. The visit to that orphanage was one that showed me that vision and three pennies and a dream and just a little seed planted that God can do great things. You see, you and I may not tend to like things that are small. In many ways, the culture that we live in, we think that bigger is better. The person with the big house, the person with the big bank account seems to be more important. The larger the portfolio of the person in society, the more attention that they will give, uh, be given to. And everyone wants to be part of something that's so big. And small is not valued, and small often is not taken seriously. And though the mustard seed was the smallest, or one of the smallest of the seeds known to Jesus' listeners at the time, what would it do? Jesus says, when it grows, it is the largest of the garden plants, and it becomes a tree. And the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven may present itself like a small seed, but it has the potential to grow huge and even to spread everywhere. We might think that the efforts of people presenting the kingdom of God are insignificant. 
Maybe the contributions that you make, you may feel like they are nothing. I love playing an instrument, so I play in the orchestra. But what is it really doing? It's doing a lot. I have a voice that God has given me, and it's wonderful to be in the choir, but does it make a difference? It makes a big difference. I can use a paintbrush, I can use a hammer, and I can figure things out mechanically, and I can do various things with wood products. So what? What does it do for the kingdom? It does a lot for 156 campers that will be there this week. You see, our small contributions change into great things. We might think that the efforts of people presenting the kingdom are so insignificant, but I'm telling you, let's not overlook the power and the potential that God can produce through our efforts and our ability or that message or that word of encouragement we may give to our child or our grandchild. The kingdom of God grows and we are called to marvel at even the least presentation of the kingdom, to marvel and wonder what power and potential that God is pouring into it and what is going to take place. Remember that God changed the course of history with just a few believers that we read about and study about who shared the good news of Jesus with others, who spread it further and further to God be the glory for the great things that he has done. I came into the office on May 6th, just a few days ago, and Beverly told me I had a phone call. The phone call was from Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson called me to share something with me. It took me a while to think about Brian Johnson. Who is Brian Johnson? Well, Brian Johnson was a young man that came to my youth group. I called Brian, and we reintroduced ourselves to each other. Brian told me that he accepted Jesus Christ on August 3rd of 1975, sitting in my youth group when I challenged the young people to accept Christ as a Savior. It was a Wednesday night, and he had attended an adult Bible study, and he was having a difficult time um, understanding what the pastor was sharing. So the pastor said, next week when you come, go to the dumb guys meeting, the youth meeting. No, he didn't say that. He said, go to the youth group. So he and his wife came, and they sat in the youth group. And when I talked to Brian, just uh, recently, Brian told me the message that I shared that night. I had forgotten all about it. The message that came to a point of salvation and he and his wife accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior 45 years ago. He called to tell me that he has been pastoring a church in uh, Wisconsin, and he said, Pastor Charlie, I have literally led hundreds of people to the Lord Jesus Christ. My family is serving the Lord. Boy, when I heard that story, I thought about the mustard seed. You never know. The smallest of seeds planted in an individual's heart. But 45 years later, he tracks me down to tell me the story of Christ and the growth and the explosion and the potential of what Jesus Christ has done 
in his life and his wife's life and now his children. And not only does this parable describe the, the, in, the expanse of God's kingdom from a few to many, we see that also, and we can understand that in these difficult times, there are people that are doing small things that make an enormous difference in our lives. And I pray that each one of us, that we would join together looking and praying for individuals. After all, something as small as three pennies in God is enough to do something big. This parable can also illustrate that the seed of salvation planted within each one of us that God intends to grow into a beautiful and fruit-bearing tree. I pray that our lives are bearing fruit. In Luke, the 17th chapter, in verse number 21, the word of God says, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. In other words, God's kingdom is not built of brick and mortar, but of human hearts. In 1 Peter, the second chapter, the second verse, it commands us, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up in salvation. God's desire is to water and seed the salvation experience that he planted within us through the power of the Spirit of God. He longs to mold and shape us into the likeness of his Son, Jesus Christ, that that we might live lives that bear incredible life-giving fruit. God wants to be constantly a steward of this gift that he's given us of salvation and that, that he may fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit and with boldness, that we may be involved in such great events as the Billy Graham crusade, events that are coming along such as that. And God is so patient with us. The earth illustrates his patience. Trees grow year after year, season after season. And by his faithful stewardship, we see and understand that flowers never begin necessarily as beautiful until they come into full bloom. And the earth is constantly undergoing the abundant transformation as God's creation grows and changes. And may that be so in our own lives. You and I are no different. God's plan has always been to mold us into beautiful pictures of his love. He has always longed to fashion us until the fruit of the Spirit is restored and reunited and ignited in our lives and demonstrated. And by the life and the death of Christ, he has paved the way for his desire to come to fruitation in our hearts as we grow. And as we look to the Lord and he inspires us and he leads us. He goes before us. I say to each one of us this morning, to those of you that are watching and listening, may we be people that are transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. The word of God tells us in the book of Romans, the 12th chapter, the first verse, be not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your minds. And that is Paul, and he is saying to the listener, I beg of you, therefore, brethren, 
that we present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. Today, this could be your day. I pray that as that seed is in your heart, that you would say, Jesus Christ, come into my life. I give it all to you, Lord. I give it all to you in my life. I want you to be glorified in all that I do. And Father, I want to follow you. I want your guidance, the guidance of the Holy Spirit to bring healing to my life and fruit from my life would ultimately develop. That that little seed would grow into such a strong branch that I may be a witness, that I may love and care for others, that I may recognize that the small things in life are so important, so important at this time in my life that I take time to recognize not only your goodness and what you're doing, Lord, but also those around me who are doing their best. May God bless each one of us as we look at this parable and we understand that the kingdom of God starts small and what you may think is insignificant, God can do great things in your life.